I'm Aaron. And I'm Armand. And this is The Open Source Show. I'm Aaron. I'm a cloud advocate at Microsoft. And I'm Armand. I'm one of the founders and CTO of HashiCorp. All right, Armand. We're here talking about service meshes today. I'm going to confess, though, I don't know what a service mesh even is. So can you school me a little bit on this? It would be my pleasure. It's, uh, it's right. definitely a new concept. I think the way we like to think about a service mesh really is how do we go back to what the problem is that we're trying to solve? In this kind of modern cloud era, we have containers, and we have our serverless functions, and we have our VMs, and we are running this whole collection of infrastructure. But how do all these things talk to one another? Mm-hmm. Right? I think at the, at the core of the problem is running all these different pieces of sort of distributed applications, distributed infrastructure, but they need a way to communicate. Right? Okay. So a key challenge becomes how, does, how do I sort of route and discover to all of these different applications? How do all of these components find each other? Let's say I have a web server, and it needs to talk to the database to be able to query data. Right? How does the web server even know where the database is running? It's running somewhere in the cloud, okay. right? And maybe my database fails and it moves somewhere else in the cloud. And that's a really okay. simple example. That's just web server to database. But you can imagine if I have caching layers and API services and all sorts of backend pieces, there's many, many components that all sort of suffer from the same problem. So this can scale from like, oh, I've just got a, like a little web app that's got a front end and a database. But like once I grow and I've got a thousand person team with all these microservices, to use another buzzword of our time, like what does it do for me when I go up to that level as well? This really comes back to the question almost of when should I use this technology? Okay. Right? So I think if we start by saying, you know what a service mesh really does is give us sort of a consistent way to route between all of our services, discover between them then it's like, when do I use this, right? Mm-hmm. Does it make sense for me to use this if I have two services, like mm-hmm. a web server and a database? I would say not really. It's sort of overkill. Okay. Oh, but in the okay. scenario you're talking about where it's like, I have a 1,000 developers, many services, many microservices, that's sort of a sweet spot, which oh, yeah. is now I have a ton of complexity, and I don't want to solve that same problem of how does this thing talk to that thing a 1,000 different times. I'd rather solve it sort of once with a central service mesh, mm. and then apply it to all 1,000 applications. I've heard of this thing, these two things actually in service meshes, like data plane, control plane. It's like all these planes, it feels like I have to go catch a plane or something. Can you like walk me through what these two things are all about? Yeah, I think when we talk about sort of service mesh, there's a bunch of these sort of like, you know, other topics under it. And I think, uh, you know, control planes are one of them. And I think, you know, first let me talk about uh, observability because I think that's also an important piece of it. Okay. When we talk about service mesh, again, the first level concern is how do we route, how do we discover, how do we connect these pieces? But then the second level one is, okay, well, once we've connected all these pieces, how do we know how much traffic is going Mm. from our web server to our database? Like, is there no requests happening? Is there too many requests? Are there getting errors between them? Right? Is it too oh, slow? Okay. Right? Like, what's going on? And so I think that opens up this whole question around how do I observe kind of what's happening in hmm. the service mesh, right? And so when we talk about observability, then the question is, okay, well, like, how does that actually happen? How do we actually enable getting those that data in terms of who's talking to who and things like that? Okay. And that's where the control planes come in. So if observability is the goal, then the question is like, okay, well, how do we get any of that data, right? And so I think that brings us to sort of like, okay, how does the system actually work? How does the service mesh function? Mm -hmm. And there's kind of these two critical layers of it, right? Layer one is the control plane, which is a central kind of management portal is the way I think about it. So if I'm the sort of operator or I'm the system administrator and I want to set up a rule that says, my web server is allowed to talk to my database, or I want to see how much traffic is flowing between those things. I go to the control plane as the central management unit, but it's sort of, you know, in some sense, if it's the brains, it's it's lacking the body, right? And, oh, I see. And okay. that's where the data plane comes in, 
right? Okay. So the data point is then sort of the, the flip side of that. It's the body. It's the one that's okay. actually carrying data between these things, enforcing who can talk to who, okay. collecting that data of like how much traffic are we seeing. All of that's done at that lower level. Oh, I see. Okay, so I see the separation. But if I'm like running the cluster, I'm probably gonna be talking to the control plane mostly. Right. And is that done with like a web UI or scripts or an API or how does that or both? I mean, how yeah. does that work? It's sort of yeah, it's, it's sort of all of the above. So okay. if, in some sense, the data plane lives everywhere. So you okay. run either an agent or a proxy on sort of every container, every sort of VM, every serverless function. So it's kind of ever present. Okay. But it's really sort of talking to the control plane on your behalf so that oh. the only thing you talk to is the control plane. And then you might oh. use a UI, a CLI, an API. You know, you might interface with the control plane in many different ways, but then okay. it's the brain that's kind of controlling the rest of the data plane for you. Oh, okay. So then if I'm the app developer, it sounds like I'm not really going to touch the control plane at all, right? To a large degree, yeah, it should be sort of invisible to you, right? Okay. As an app developer, you know, you're writing your web server and it needs to talk to the database. You don't necessarily care how it's talking to the database, right? Okay. So there's probably some small tweaks you need to do in the sense of instead of hard coding, let's say, the database IP, mm-hmm. you need to talk through the data plane. So you oh, need to talk to okay. the local proxy or the local agent to okay. make sure data goes over the data plane. But beyond that, it's kind of invisible to you as an application developer. I love it when other software that I didn't have to write does all the work for me. That sounds amazing. <laughs> right. And okay. then you get all those sort of observability benefits that we talked about, plus you get all the kind of routing, discovery, and sort of security benefits sort okay. of for free. Like You don't oh. think about it as a developer. It just happens. How do I get started? If I'm running on Kubernetes, let's focus on that. How do I get all this goodness into my app, into my cluster, what have you? Right. So we actually have a really good blog on uh, on the Azure blog about how do you actually get started with Console, which is our service mesh tool, on Azure, oh. uh, Azure Kubernetes specifically. Sweet. Then the second piece is that data plane we talked about. Like That has to be sort of ever-present. Right? Yeah. So to make that really easy with Kubernetes, there is sort of a, an admission controller that will automatically inject it into every pod. You don't have to really think about the data plane because it's oh. getting injected behind the scenes for you automatically. Behind the scenes? Yeah. You just submit your pod, it gets added to the pod, and it's just another container that's now doing that sort of local routing. Wait, okay. Oh, let's back up. All right, so <laughs> if I Helm install my app, I don't change a thing in my, in my Helm install and in my templates. This still works? Yep, yep. It just auto-injects the control plane for you behind the scenes. Whoa. And there's some annotations nice. you can put on to say, I want the pod or I don't want it, right? So yeah. you can opt in or opt out okay. if you don't want to make use of that. But okay. in general, it's the goal is to, for it to be really, really easy as a wow. developer to yeah. kind of consume this. Okay, so you mentioned there's some links in the blog post? Yes, so there's some links already on the Azure blog about how do I get console up and running on AKS. Okay. But then beyond that, there's going to be an upcoming Azure Friday video that people can check out. There's going to be, you know, there's a bunch of resources on the HashiCorp site. So you can either go to HashiCorp's console homepage, console.io, or learn.hashicorp.com. And we have a whole set of walkthroughs and tutorials of how to actually get started with this. Cool. So check out the show notes below. We've got links to all the HashiCorp stuff. And go check out opensource.microsoft.com as well. Thanks a lot, everybody. Thanks. Thanks.